You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 164 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's show, we discuss the news of Virginia Tech guard Tyrese Radford being suspended indefinitely from the team and what it means for Hokie Hoops moving forward, the news of co-defensive line coach Daryl Tapp likely leaving Virginia Tech for the San Francisco 49ers, and what it means for Virginia Tech's football program and recruiting, and a lot more. Episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, that's nearly 10 different ways you can consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. However you're listening or watching, we're so glad you could join us as we record on Wednesday morning, January 27th. Our crew today, to my left, our managing editor, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It is great to have you with us. A reminder, if you're watching live on YouTube, be sure to drop a question in the YouTube live chat, and we will get to those at the end of the show. The Tech Sideline podcast is presented by Anytime Fitness. You know, each new member gets a free fitness consultation, and a program is designed now, through your first billing period, you can sign up for a dollar for the first month. Call 540-951-1340. Again, that's 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him Tech Sideline sent you. The Tech Sideline podcast is also presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Find out how you can get involved and support Virginia Tech Wrestling, the eighth-ranked Virginia Tech Wrestling program in the country, southeastrtc.com. Again, that's southeastrtc.com to get involved with the Southeast Regional Training Center today. Gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. We typically record on Mondays, but a lot of news has come out. We shift to Wednesday. Chris, it's been a eventful week in Virginia Tech Athletics to that's say the a, week. That's a word to use. Yeah. Um, the, the wrong kind of events. The wrong kind of events. Yeah, it's it's not exactly uh, one that you draw up. Uh, you lose to Syracuse by 18. Your best recruiters leaving the football program. Your best basketball players arrested. Women's basketball blew another double-digit lead. Uh, am I missing anything? Well, here's the here are the positives, right? Wrestling beat UVA, which right. was a good win. Right. And we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Great news from men's soccer. 
last week. News that you just don't get um, that often. So we'll talk about it all on episode 164 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Again, great to have everybody with us. Evan Hughes, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. We've got a lot to get into, so let's go ahead and jump in in just a moment. So let me jump in with a little correction. The first billing period is two weeks for Anytime Fitness, not a month. And I have started working out there. So I've, uh, since the last podcast, I've done my first three personal training sessions. So I've already lost 25 pounds. I'm just kidding now. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so going into this, I weighed 186 with 29.4% body fat. We will check in at the beginning of February. And then either mid-February or or early March. Um, usually when I'm on a weight-losing thing, I'm looking at the scale fairly often. I'm not doing that this time around. I'm just doing the work, and we'll see where it goes. I do it once a week. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't do it once a week now, but when I was trying to get down to 10%, I, I'd look at it once a week, every Tuesday. So you did the whole in-body machine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a reminder, the in-body machine is this high-tech thingy that uh, they measure your uh, they measure your weight, they measure your skeletal muscle mass, uh, visceral fat, all kinds of stuff, body, body fat, fat percentage. percentage. It'll and, even break it down, like, how much does your left leg weigh, how much does your right, right. leg weigh, all of that stuff. Supposedly that affects your health to be, like, out of balance, yeah. weight hmm. and muscle-wise, yeah. And, and, of course, they keep they key it to your phone number, so they keep a record so, so you can see over time weight and, and other things going up and down hey you can sign up for a dollar for the first billing, billing period, period. Right. that's five four zero nine five one one three four zero anytime fitness so great to have them a part of the tech sideline family yeah. and the tech yeah, sideline well, podcast I'm enjoying it. well we've got a lot to get into as we just mentioned before we're going to talk about so many different sports today we're going to talk a lot about virginia tech football especially the news about daryl tap and what it means for recruiting we'll talk about women's basketball wrestling and men's soccer, but we begin episode 164 of the Tech Sideline podcast talking about Virginia Tech men's basketball. Early Sunday morning, Hokies guard Tyrese Radford was arrested and has been charged with one misdemeanor count of first offense driving while intoxicated and one misdemeanor count of carrying a concealed weapon. He has been suspended indefinitely by the men's basketball program. Well, I know there's a lot to unpack here, but yes. I want to get your what were your immediate thoughts when you heard about the news and what do we know right now regarding the situation? Uh my immediate thoughts were you know, Cordell Pimsel, for example, has been out for a while and, and it hasn't really hurt the team. John Ogiaco not being to come being able to come back hasn't really hurt the team. This one's gonna hurt. Um so my first reaction was just just being really disappointed for um, him and the team. And there's just there's no way you can put a happy face on this. This is a bad situation, and, and, and it's unfortunate. And um, what we know at this point, which was reported by uh, uh, Mark Berman of the Roanoke Times yesterday, is that uh, Tyrese was pulled over, and he uh, the breathalyzer got him at 0.13%. The legal limit in Virginia, of course, is 0.08%. So interesting history that a lot of uh, younger people don't know. Um, when I was in high school and college, I don't know when the law changed, but uh, I remember when I was young and first started driving, the the legal limit for DUI was 0.15%. That number is really high. If you are 0.15%, you're pretty drunk. <laughs> 
Um, and it at one point it dropped to 0.10, and that was very brief, and then down to 0.08, where it has been for many, many years. So it's kind of, uh, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but that's the historical context for um, Tyrese's situation. So if, if you don't know much about this sort of thing, 0.13 is, is pretty impaired. Um, so, and what the, what they do in a DUI is they give they give you a breathalyzer on the spot. They do field tests. He failed failed the field sobriety tests, and you know the drill with that. It's walking in a toe to toe in a straight line, reciting your alphabet, that kind of stuff. Um, and they will do typically. I think they'll do a breathalyzer right there on the spot. But the one that goes in the record is the one that they do at the police station later. So I think in his case, he was pulled over roughly one fifteen. Failed the field sobriety test. They did a breathalyzer there, which was not reported. Um, that's that's really, I think, for the officer to decide, do I, do I need to arrest and take him on in? And I believe that the .13 breathalyzer test was roughly 2.45 a.m. So you're talking about hour to an hour and a half between uh, when he was pulled over and when the official breathalyzer test of record was done. Um, so we know that about the DUI portion of it. What we don't know is we don't know any details about the uh, concealed carry violation. Um, and and I'm, I'm getting out of my realm of expertise here. You know, I'm, I'm not, I personally am not a big gun guy. I'm not a big anti-gun guy. I'm just kind of in the middle. Um, I know a little bit about it. Um, so what is not public record, but what we've been told is that the, the gun was purchased legally. Um, it's not like he was carrying around a gun that has no record and that had the serial number filed <laughs> off or something ridiculous like that. It's not that. Um, so the gun was purchased legally, and, and there are, from what I understand, and if there are any attorneys or any, anybody out there on the YouTube feed who can provide more detail, you know, a concealed carry violation is if you are carrying a gun, you're concealing it on your person or in your vehicle, or in a backpack or something like that, and you do not have a license to do that. I have a concealed carry permit, um, and to do that, you have there are certain things you have to do. You have to apply for the license. You have to go through a gun safety course. You know there are things you have to do. You can't just buy a gun, which is perfectly legal, and then hide it. That's not legal. And you can like put a gun on your person that is visible that's legal but the instant you hide it from view that's not legal. i see a woman in kroger every now and then she's got a gun just packing on, her on the hip yeah yeah yep. um but it's not just that from what i understand if you have a legal gun and a concealed carry permit and you are intoxicated that that is a violation of your concealed carry permit that's my understanding we don't know anything about that part of the arrest and so it gets, it gets, we're, we're going to get into talking about, you know, how long this should, should the suspension be? What should Virginia Tech do, et cetera, et cetera. And it's complicated because it's not just a DUI and it's not just a concealed carry violation. It's both. And, and people view both things different. Your just initial thoughts when you heard Chris, where'd your mind jump to? Well, I was in Anytime Fitness when yeah. I heard the news and I was actually almost done with my workout, but it put me in a bad mood, so I like worked out for forty-five minutes longer than normal. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> and, uh, my first thought was emotional because Tyree Rapper yeah. is is one of my favorite players ever at Virginia Tech. Chris has interviewed Tyrese one on one. Set closer to 
to Tyrese than I was for me to you right now. And interviewed him for 10 or 15 minutes, did an article. We've got a good quote in there, which I'll, uh, I'll use later. But uh, my first thought from an emotional reaction was, well, there goes the season. That was honestly my first thought. Yeah. Because this is our best player. First on the uh, first on the team in minutes, second on the team in points, second on the team in rebounds, second on the team in assists. You know, you don't just plug somebody in there and make up that production. Um, now, I've, I've backed off my ledge since then. I don't necessarily think the season's over or anything like that, but I do think we're on a on a precipice, so to speak. Um, the schedule's about to get tougher. The, the second half of the schedule is, is a lot tougher than the first half of the schedule, and you're going to have to run that gauntlet without your best player. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Saturday morning, I was 90% convinced, 95% convinced that Virginia Tech was going to the NCAA tournament this year. And I don't know what that number is now, but it's – it's not ninety or ninety-five anymore. I, no, it's I, really not. It, it's I, I would, for me personally, it's I would probably put it around the, I don't know, twenty-five to thirty-five percent chance. I just think they, I just think that's how much he means to the team. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit more about what Virginia Tech does next without Tyree Stratford. Who are some players who can try and step in and, and fill the shoes that Tyrese is is leaving behind, but. Will, you brought up a question a moment ago that we're going to talk about. Let's go ahead and transition. He has been suspended indefinitely by the Virginia Tech men's basketball program. You mentioned that there are some details that we don't know regarding his situation. Do you think he will suit up for Virginia Tech this year, given the information we know right now? I think um, I'm, I'm just not sure. Um, you know, the, the environment for things like uh, a DUI, and carrying a gun is it gets beyond just the arguments about whether or not it's a felony or misdemeanor. From what I understand, these are both misdemeanors. It, it gets beyond that and it becomes a, a, a bit of a hot potato and, and an optics thing. And there are certain things that athletes can do to get into trouble that, that are more likely to be, even though legally they might be kind of similar in the court of public opinion and perception and how a university reacts, they are treated differently. So for example, one of the worst things an athlete can do is lay his hands on a woman in a violent manner. That does not sit at a college campus. It doesn't sit in society. But on a college campus in particular, if an athlete makes that mistake, he's not coming back. He's gone. Doesn't matter what the details are of, of the legal situation, which often does not become public. And certainly there are athletes that have been dismissed from Virginia Tech in the past for that particular situation. You are not coming back from that. So then you get into talking about the, the two different things that he's been arrested for. And so let, let's take the DUI. And, man, we could talk about that one for a long time. And I actually am going to talk about that one for a long time. Um, so we had, you know, longtime sponsor Jonathan Fisher uh, of Tech Sideline. He sponsored uh, an attorney who sponsored our website and our podcast for six or seven years. And John's Jonathan's specialty was DUI and, and traffic offense. And we had him on, I looked it up yesterday, it was Tech Sideline Podcast 107. And that was from January of 2020. 
So, Evan, you weren't there for this one. It's when you were still on break. So I hosted it, and Chris and I sat and talked with Jonathan. And we went back and forth, and we talked about Virginia Tech Athletics and then talked about his law practice. And towards the end of the podcast, he talked extensively about the type of people and the situations when people get DUIs. And and I'm actually going it, – it's, a, it's, a, it's three or four paragraphs. I actually transcribed what he said. And this is a man with – a lot of experience defending uh, people who are charged with DUI. He said, what I discovered, and again, as I discussed earlier, I've defended all sorts of criminals early in my career, and a lot of them. I've seen violent criminals, and I've seen people who steal and who hurt people. I've seen a lot of people with character flaws, just inherent bad people. And again, this is Jonathan Fisher talking. What I discovered is that these first defense DUI folks were not exhibiting bad character, it almost always was a judgment error. Alcohol is a catch-22. You've got a good person, and they drink, and then they're impaired, and the beverage makes you make poor decisions. So it causes a judgment error that leads to being stopped, and you get the DUI. And then he said, uh, this, this to me was interesting, these are not ogres. These are your kids here at Virginia Tech. Um, I represented someone who had never been in trouble and who was almost 70 years old a well-respected member of the community of the community these are good people who made a mistake so that's one class of, cl- group of people that get DUIs and we probably all know someone like that and then he said there's a group that I do represent as well that are repeat offenders what you have to understand about those people is almost all the time those people are not bad people either those are usually people who really have substance abuse problems and who have addiction problems and they're struggling there's almost always a backstory to those These are folks who really need help. And then he wrapped it up by saying, what's funny is I don't necessarily see a whole bunch of overlap between people who in their lives have been convicted of rape or assault and battery or bad crimes like that, and then they get DUIs too. I don't see that very often. It's usually either good people or people who really need help. So that I thought was was very interesting background from an attorney who was involved in a lot of DUI um, defense. And we were sometimes criticized for having him as a sponsor. Why do you have it? Why do you have a guy who puts drunk, drunk driving people on the road as a sponsor? So we asked, I asked him about that on that podcast. And that was his response that, that 80 or to 90% of the time, these are just, these are good people, productive members of society who made a mistake or they're people with real issues who need help. And that's, you know, that's why attorneys often get into that sort of defense. They actually want to help people. You know, they don't want to, nobody wants to put criminals back on the street. They want to help people. So that, 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 that I thought was an interesting perspective. So the question becomes, uh, which one of those groups does Tyrese Radford fit into? And I don't know, and I don't want to go down that path. Well, Chris, let me ask you this again. I'll ask the same question I said Will. What do you think the odds are, given the information we know now, that he plays for Virginia Tech at some point again this season? This season, I think they're slim to none, and Slim just left town. Uh, these legal situations, they take a long time to sort out most of the time. And Virginia Tech doesn't, generally speaking, come to their decision, the university itself, until after that, right? Like Devin Hunter's situation happened in September. Nothing's been resolved there. He's got a court date in February, which I don't, and we don't even know if it'll get resolved then, right? right. So we could be this summer, and Tyrese Radford situation is still up in the air. And courts are backed up because of COVID, right? You know, they're they're and, we're way backed up, and that's what concerns me. 
Uh, I don't think Virginia Tech, the university, is going to make a decision on his future until at least they get some idea of what's going to happen with the court situation. So he's going to be hanging around here not knowing whether he's ever going to be allowed to play basketball for Virginia Tech again. And another school is going to come in and say, oh, come on, we'll, down. We'll, come on down, we'll guarantee you that you can play this year. And he's going to say, okay. And he's going to transfer because this year you can transfer without sitting out a year. Right? So this is an issue that – He's for, an outstanding basketball player. There are no doubt people already in his ear. Oh, I, I like – And he's a, he's a special the, player. There's the, not many guys the, like Tyrus The, the cynic there. in me says he's going to end his career as an all-SEC player for Buzz Williams. At Texas A&M. At Texas A&M. That's the cynic. Yeah. That's the cynic. In <laughs> it's not me. a prediction. Just, um, just hmm. right. Uh, so it's. I'd like to see it get resolved some way as quickly as possible. Um, look, he's going to be fine from a legal standpoint. People, people have made far greater mistakes than Tyrese Radford and easily recovered from them and went on to lead long and productive lives. So can I jump in here and give an example? Um, Cordell Pemsel, when he was at Iowa was arrested in September of 2019 for driving under the influence. He later pled guilty. This is public record. I'm not revealing anything that you can't look up on the Internet with with just a search. So September of 2019, he was arrested for DUI, later pled guilty. And uh, Cordell missed two games. And this is not some fly-by-night shady program. This is Iowa. It's a Big Ten university. Yeah, there were a... They were a top top. They were a very good program. Yes, yeah. and and this is how they dealt with a similar situation. An individual who actually pled guilty. He didn't even he didn't even go to court. Well, you know, you got to go to court to plead guilty. But so it's interesting. And then Cordell, what eventually led to him leaving Iowa was a few months later. One of the things that happened out of the DUI was his license was uh, the the article I read used the words revoked and suspended interchangeably. They're not the same thing. Um, but his license was suspended for six months, and in February he was caught driving on that suspended license, and that's when Iowa defended, uh, excuse me, suspended him indefinitely, and later he left and came to Virginia Tech. So just taking the DUI in and of itself, there is an instance where there's actually a player on Virginia Tech's team who has pled guilty to one, and only missed two games for the school he was at. And and that's so that's taking the DUI in isolation. And here's the thing, so Pemsel got suspended from Iowa. Did you say he got suspended indefinitely for the second time around when he it's was? Not like it was two separate occasions. Okay. He got it was suspended. two separate okay. instances. So yes. I find it interesting that uh, that we can admit Cordell Pemsel, who was suspended indefinitely from another school, and say, "Oh, it's okay that you got in trouble at another school, right. but you didn't get in trouble here." And now with Radford, it's oh, you got in trouble here. So that's worse, it's, right? It's, that, 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 but that's not just a Virginia Tech thing. That's a double standard thing across the entire country. You see guys get indefinitely suspended from their school, and then another school will take them, and that you know that that that's just the way it is. Um, I uh, I hope Virginia Tech doesn't make any rash decisions with Radford. Um, Rat, Rat, Radford. Everybody comes from a different background. You know, I, I know some people are concerned about the gun. And I think one of Radford's best friends when he was growing up was shot and killed, right? So some people come from a, from a background and an environment that most people, they just can't understand and they can't grasp. Can't comprehend. That that is a normal part of life for some people. It's, a, it's as normal as getting out of your bed and brushing your teeth, right? 
I, I, I like all right. I grew up way out in the sticks, right? One of my best friends in middle school, his dad was illiterate. Now, can you imagine growing up in Charlottesville knowing someone that's illiterate in suburbia? In suburbia, <laughs> where right, I grew right, up. right, right. Or if anybody watching this from Northern Virginia, can you imagine knowing someone who was illiterate? Well, okay. I did because that was my background. But other people can't understand that. Like most people, if they met an illiterate person, they would be like, "Whoa, wow!" I wouldn't think anything of it. Wow. Because I was around people like that where, where I grew up. Um, that's just the way it is where I grew up. Tyrese Radford had a gun on him. That's just the way it is where he grew up. That's what we're guessing. You know, uh, now, now Chris is interviewing him and give, give the quote that Tyrese. Tyrese, uh, I, I asked him specifically about when Buzz Williams left and he found him in the situation of, oh, I'm at Virginia Tech, a couple thousand miles away from home. I remember Tyrese had redshirted. Right, Tyrese had, had redshirted. Right, right. Uh, and he was talking about his options and he said, it was either here or back to or back to Louisiana. I can't talk today. <laughs> it was either here or back to Louisiana, and I'm not trying to go back there. I got away from it for a reason. Uh, you if you dismiss this guy and some crazy thing happens and no other school takes him, and he ends up going back to Baton Rouge, you just hurt him even more. Yeah. Um, this is a situation where, yes, he needs to be punished. He needs to understand what he did was a mistake and everything like that. But you can actually use this situation to help him. If you make the wrong decision as a university, you can end it up. You could end up hurting his future even more. Right. Um. So. I'll be very disappointed if he doesn't play basketball for Virginia Tech ever again. That was my next question. And again, this is January 27th. There are still information out there that we don't know. But given what we do know, Chris, what are the percentages you think that Tyree Stratford never plays for Virginia Tech again at this point right now? What would you know. put it at? I don't know about the percentage. but I think I'm, it depends honestly, upon the details of the gun I think charge. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, some of those gun charges are easy to get out of because, like, you could say something like, "If you had the if the guns in the back seat of your car, you'd be like, man, I went to the shooting range yesterday and I just forgot to take it out of my car.' There's plenty of people who've gotten off on things like that, that. Sort of thing. but we just don't know the details. Of well, that. the the problem is that Mark Berman did report that the gun was quote on his person. That's what the unquote. woman said from the yeah. Right, yeah. that's what his source right. said. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know anything about getting these things pled down or, or anything like that. I, I am in a group text with a a lawyer friend. Uh, it's him and a couple other guys that I know. And, and we asked him the other day, in your professional opinion, what do you think will happen? And he said, I think there's a good chance the DUI charge may get pled down. And he's like, I, I don't know that they'll actually prosecute him for the gun charge. Interesting. But he said... In my opinion, and this is his quote, this is the lawyer's quote. He said, "In my opinion, Virginia Tech will screw him." But well, it's 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 a that that's not my quote. That's his. You know, there there are, there are things as I referred to earlier that that, that are hot potato issues. Correct. And and so it, it, one of the things that you know, working in this space and having to be on social media, we're on Twitter all the time. We're on our message boards. We're on Facebook. Um, there is one of the things that's happening in society is that organizations, be they companies or schools or whatever, are are falling victim to being what's called being run by Twitter. 
mm-hmm. being the, the, the decision-making process is affected by social media backlash, which is often out of proportion, way out of proportion to how people actually feel. So this, this is a fairly new phenomenon, and I think organizations are still trying to figure it out. We, can, we can take the Justin Fuente situation and, and, and do example. that. Like, if you're on Twitter or, or even message boards and things like that back in December, it seemed like about 90% of people were done with Justin Fuente and wanted him fired. And then we ran a poll on our site, and what was the number that said? Something, something like uh, only about 25 or 30 about 25 or 30 percent said they thought he should be fired after so this the reality season. was much different than the perception correct it's right. just the people who have an opinion a strong opinion about something express it very 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 loudly so the the optics of this situation become overarching and organizations struggle with doing what they feel is right because they don't they just don't want the constant crap storm Mm-hmm. And Chris was just talking about December while well, we're into the end of January and there isn't a tweet on the on the Hokies FB account that isn't isn't met with Fire Fuente. Oh my gosh. It just goes on I and mean, on and on. The, the the grit tweet yesterday. Fuente's on tweet this morning with the video with Sam Rogers. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a nice video having Sam Rogers narrate it, but then all the responses were just Right. You know. Yeah. Let's transition here for a moment, and we, we talked about the legal side of what Tyrese Radford's going to. I want to talk about what it means for Virginia Tech on the floor. And you look at what he brings to this team and the stats. Tyrese Radford, uh, averaging 31 minutes a game, uh, was averaging 11 uh, points per game and 6.3 rebounds per game. He brings toughness and there aren't a lot of players in the country like Tyrese Radford. So, Will, I know you can't necessarily replace him, but when you look at this Virginia Tech roster, who are the players that are going to have to step up and try and replace the uh, production that Tyrese Radford gave this team? It was, I mean, I remember when Justin Robinson got hurt two years ago. And it is not outlandish to say that Virginia Tech had a team capable of winning the national championship that year if things broke correctly. And that ended when Justin Robinson got hurt. But it didn't turn out to be the complete disaster that we thought it was going to be. Buzz Williams adjusted. He started running th- the offense through uh, Kerry Blackshear. And Virginia Tech actually had a pretty decent record while Robinson was out. And they wound up being, what was it, a five seed? A uh, four seed. And then four seed. Yeah, that was an outstanding coaching job. So we're going to find a little bit about what, what Mike Young is made of, what sort of adjustments can he make. And I don't have the basketball acumen to to even know what I'm looking at. I'll just have to listen to people who are smarter than me. I So to answer your question, I don't think it's a case of other players stepping up per se, as it is the margin of error for those other players is now razor thin. So you take a look at the Wake Forest game that Tech won. Um, the guy, the, I, don't, I don't remember the exact numbers, but Keve Aluma, Nahim Aline, and Jalen Cohn, I think, are three guys who had... You got them. <laughs> I do got them, so let's go over them. So against Wake Forest, Cohn was 0 for 4, Aluma was 1 of 6, and Aline was 1 of 7. So combined, they were 2 of 17. And Virginia Tech won anyway. And Radford scored 20 in that game, I believe. Because of Radford and Hunter Couture. And he made those free throws down the stretch, Radford did. Yeah, you know. So 
if you want to go back in time and subtract Tyrese Radford from that game, you're going to lose that game. Not because nobody else is stepping up, but because some of the guys you depend on are having a bad outing. And then you look at Syracuse, and Cone was one of eight, one of nine, excuse me, one of nine overall, one of eight from three-point range. Aluma was one of ten, and Aline was six of 17. So let's do our math. That's seven of 27. Eight of 36. Eight of 36 from three of your, your best scorers. So all three of those guys over, over the Wake and Syracuse games went 10 of 52 from the field, which is 19.2%. And seven to twenty-eight from three-point range, which is twenty-five percent. If you want to keep winning ball games, that cannot happen without with Tyrese Radford not being in the equation. So that's how I'll answer the question. I'm not going to sit here and say Justin Mutz needs to get more rebounds or Kevin Aluma needs to. Sure. Get, I'm just going to say you, as a group, you gotta you gotta step up as a group. Now let me let me pose this question because you guys brought this up, and when you said it, I, I initially I wanted to get your thoughts on the podcast because I. When I think about Tyree Stratford, I think it's fair to say he is the best player on this team. I think it's fair to consistency, and sometimes it doesn't I, show in the box score, right? I, I personally could not make an argument for any other player, I'll be honest. Yep. Yeah. Uh, especially the last couple of games. You could have made that argument for Aluma, but he struggled the last couple of games. But let me say this. You guys said, what, what did you feel the NCAA tournament chances were about on 90, Saturday? About 90%. And what would you say they're at right now? I don't know, 25, 35, 20, something So I'm, like I'm that. curious. I, I was thinking more about 50, 60, even without Radford. Really Why do you season. think Radford it just – Well, I think Virginia Tech was is one of those teams where, as they've shown, they can they can beat anybody. They're good enough to beat anybody, but they barely beat Wake. Yep. and They, they didn't shoot the ball well. They barely beat Duke, and Duke's not that good. And it took them a long time to, against, to get rolling against Notre Dame – Mm-hmm. And they got hammered by Penn State. Uh, it's not like they're going out there and blowing teams' doors off. Like they were barely getting by some teams, some teams that aren't that good, to Correct. be quite honest yeah. with. And you. their schedule is and that was, easier and, and, early and, in the and, ACC and, and it's more difficult down the stretch. And as I look around the ACC, I see teams that are gaining momentum. Three weeks ago, I thought this conference is horrible. And well, now, I mean, UVA just had to start playing mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Right. Florida State's yeah. looking like the the Florida State that they're supposed to be. Right. UNC looks like they're getting a little traction. Um, Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Pitt. I know they lost to. And Louisville yeah. is still sneaky. So, anyways, but you think without Tyrese Radford, I mean, it's going to be tough to do it. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, well, I mean, it was going to be tough with him, mm-hmm. but I think, I think numerically from a percentage standpoint. Like unless Tech just went on an absolute nosedive down the stretch, they had already won enough games where they were going to get over the hump and go to the NCAA tournament. Now, I think it's just more likely that some of those games, you know, without him, they're just not going to go Tech's way. Well, let me read the schedule real quick, just to jump in, because I, I, this schedule is about to get really difficult for Tech, and even with Tyrese Radford. This was going to be a very yes, difficult right. schedule, right? So we'll talk about the Notre Dame game here in just a moment as we record on Wednesday, January 27th. Hokies are at Notre Dame, who's 5-8 and eight tonight. They already beat the Fighting Irish earlier in the season. On Saturday, 8th-ranked Virginia at home. Then next Wednesday, they're at Pittsburgh. I mean, they are one of the hottest teams in the ACC right now. Then at Miami... They're going to have Chris Likes back and others. Hokies beat Miami earlier in the year, but they were without two of their best players. And Miami at any point has the talent to beat you. Oh, my gosh. Then 16th-ranked Florida State. Then 25th-ranked Louisville. Then at North Carolina. Then at 16th-ranked Florida State. Then Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and at North Carolina State. 
Man. So, yeah, I mean, there's winnable games on there, but they're a lot more winnable with Tyree Rafford on your roster. That's I know. a very good point. So, so you look at last year, and uh, um, after beating Wake Forest on January 14th, Virginia Tech was 13-4 and four and 4-2 four and two in the ACC. And then, then along came the Canary in the Coal Mine, which was Syracuse and Castle Coliseum. <laughs> And if you remember that that game ended seventy-one to sixty-nine. Um, Buddy Bayheim made a bunch of threes, and that was the game that Landers Nolly chucked up that three about just, three feet behind the top of the key. Yeah, they, they, Virginia Tech had a chance to to win that basketball game, and and Nolly just took like the the worst one of the worst game-ending shots I've ever seen in my life. Didn't he do the same thing later in the year? Did he yes. do it twice? Forget which game. It might have been yeah. Boston College in overtime, but he did something similar. So, and I actually, I was in the stands and and took a video of that and actually watched it on my phone the other day. And so they lost that game, and and, and you're like, huh? And then they uh, beat UNC at home in double overtime, and then things nosedive. So at that point, they were uh, fourteen and five and five and three in the ACC, and they ended up uh, 16, 16, and 16, 16. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what is that? Two and eleven mm-hmm. down the stretch. Um, and before the Radford suspension, uh, I mean, you never know where, where things are going to go, but it was starting to feel like that to me. And ironically, the, the team that kind of rang the bell was Syracuse, by the way, they just blew tech out the other day. And I remember thinking, uh, man, I hope this doesn't go like last year went, yeah. but now Radford's out. Yeah. The thing is like the Syracuse game this year, it didn't make me feel anything that I didn't already feel yeah. like I thought we were a team that at times was really, really good, and at times was not so good. Look, we're 47th in the net, and I, I think the net does a pretty good job of accurately defining where teams are yeah. as a team. Uh, and I've never thought Tech was as good as any of their AP rankings this year. And I I, I know I don't like to say that because it makes me a bad negative fan and all that <laughs> nonsense, but they just they, did, they didn't look it to me. They looked it against Villanova, but they didn't look it in any other game they played. So, yes, Tech can still make the NCAA tournament. Uh, to me, I don't know anything about X's and O's, and I'm not sure this affects Tech from an X's and O's standpoint too much, but how do you redistribute his 31 minutes? Right. Um, I, I, I think they'll be able to make up for his 11 points, but not his 6.6 rebounds or his second on the team in assists. Um, and then the intangible. I, I, I had literally just written an article about the guy last week about how awesome he is. And I, I found so, I found a good website that puts historical numbers into perspective. And I think for any 6'2 or shorter player at the, at the high major level over like the last 15 years, he's second all time in offensive rebound percentage. I mean, he is the one of the best offensive rebounders for a guard ever, not just at Virginia Tech, but in college basketball, and he doesn't play anymore. That's going to have a huge effect. Yeah, you can't gloss that one over. You can't sit here and puff up your chest and say, oh, next, next man, man up. up. Yeah, no, the man. next man cannot do what Tyrese Rafford did, not exactly what he did. Yeah. Now, if it's Jalen Cohn, if Jalen Cohn replaces the majority of his minutes, then – Okay, Jalen had a rough game his last couple outings, but before that, he was dropping like 20 points every night. Yeah. So Jalen Cohn's not going to go out there and get a bunch of offensive rebounds and energy points, but he's going to bring something different. He's going to 
he's he's going to uh, make Virginia Tech more of a three-point threat if, if he takes some of those right. minutes. So uh, Tech can still win, but it would look different. It would look different. Um, yeah. And I hope these guys take it as an opportunity uh, because it is. You know, it's it stinks for Bradford, but it is an opportunity for someone else. The Joe Bama Seals, the Darius Maddox. Uh, you know, if you go if you go back far enough, you remember when Deron Washington got sus- uh, suspended for the Wake Forest game in the 2005-2006 season. And uh, he was suspended. I think Coleman Collins had to miss that game because of his dad. So A.D. Visayo, who was a freshman who had barely played before, goes down there to Wake Forest and drops. And Virginia Tech was 0-6 in the ACC Ooh. at that point. And Visayo goes down there in his first ever start and drops 30 points on him. Yeah. Right? So... You never know when something like that's coming. All right, we do have a lot more to get to on episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, but wrapping up the discussion on men's basketball, as we record on Wednesday, January 27th, Hokies at Notre Dame tonight, 7 o'clock tip. Virginia Tech coming off of a really tough loss uh, at Syracuse over the weekend. Will, do you think they bounce back tonight in their first game without Tyrese Radford? Uh... Magic Eight Ball says probably not, um, but because one of the things Virginia Tech benefited from in the first outing against Notre Dame was, I believe, Notre Dame won something like six of twenty-three from three-point range. They made two field goals in the entire second half. Right, um, right, uh, which is which is an ACC record. They're, they're, they're for top. What's it? Lashevsky. Yeah, he only attempted one three-pointer the entire game. Tech yeah, did such yeah. a great job on him. They are one of the better shooting and one of the better three-point shooting teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. He's a Fifty-five percent three-point shooter. That's crazy. Wow! And um, he went, and he's six ten or something. Gosh, something like know, that. And they've won two in a row. They beat Boston College, and they just beat Miami seventy-three fifty-nine. See here, here, here's why I think Tech is going to win. I don't think Notre Dame is good enough to win three games in a row. Law of averages. I was about to say, is that the law of averages? Yeah, there the, we go. <laughs> right. Yes, it's exactly what it is. The law of averages. I certainly think Tech could lose tonight. Uh, I'm so I'm not going to go out and place a bet on it either way. So here's some historical context. What, what was the first game after Justin Robinson got hurt? Wasn't it Miami? No, oh, he got hurt in the Miami game. It was NC what? State, wasn't it? No, I don't think that was the first one. Oh, I think it was. I think it was the really low scoring, the infamous oh, like 47 I don't think that was the first game. one, though. I don't so, think. so, Malcolm, do you remember where we where we watched that game? Was it BW3? It was B-dubs, yeah. It was B-dubs, yeah, so... We, I remember walking into to B Dubs and and the spread was something like NC State by a few points and I thought man I, I would bet the house on that they're going to destroy Tech and no that's not the way it went so you never know yeah but uh, what did I score twenty four points yeah twenty four points oh my gosh uh, all right I'm going to look up that schedule right now. All right. Well, uh, how about this? We'll revisit it in the comment sections. We'll lead off with that uh, for our YouTube yep. live questions. Uh, real quick, do you want to note, as I checked Twitter, John Rothstein tweeted out that Cordell Pemsel with his back injury will not play tonight against Notre Dame per Mike Young. So he's been out the last couple of games, will not return tonight against Notre Dame. All right, we'll step aside for a break here on episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, we talk about the potential loss of co-defensive line coach Daryl Tapp leaving the Virginia Tech football program. It's all coming up on episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by Anytime Fitness, Southeast Regional Training Center, and Campus Emporium.
Welcome back in to episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It is so great to have you with us. Evan Hughes alongside of Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. If you have a question for Will or Chris, be sure to drop, drop it in the YouTube live chat, and I'll read those at the end of the show. Canvas Emporium is proud to sponsor the Tech Sideline community. A portion of every sale is returned to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We have been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech merchandise at campusemporium.com or come see us at 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. It was hard to keep a straight face during that read as I look over across the way. For those that are watching, you see Will right now wearing a Virginia Tech Klondike beanie. We need to get this on social media. Oh, yes. This, this <laughs> thing, so Virginia Tech Klondike beanie. Yeah. Sorry, my mic was away from my face there. Uh, Virginia Tech Klondike Beanie, twenty seven ninety nine at Campus Emporium. <laughs> that is the good deal. And it's so so. Let me read you the description. The description is interesting. It says, "This Virginia Tech Trooper hat, so you can call it a Klondike Beanie or you can call it a Trooper hat, is lined with faux shearling. Don't believe I've ever heard that word for added warmth. So you got button flaps here. You got the adjust. But here here are the button flaps. They're up here, so you can put them down over your ears." Adjustable hook and loop fastener to secure it under your chin. You got a little uh, Velcro there for that. Shell's 100% polyester. Lining's 100% polyester. Um, this thing, this is not something you, in my opinion, that you buy and wear every day. This is the thing that you buy that you wear once a year to that football game that's always super cold. Or tomorrow. Every year. And, yeah. When it's going to be snowing. Yeah, it's going to snow overnight with winds of 35 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, I'm telling you, if I can't get my car out of my parking lot tomorrow morning and I have to walk to the gym at 7 or 7.30 in the morning, I'm going to wish I had that. You know Chris, what? I'll let you take it out of here with you. That's a good idea. Right? Chris wishes he had a Klondike beanie, twenty seven ninety nine, And we'll drop the link in the uh, video description. And I'm, I'm actually going to wear it for a little while. And if you are thinking of Cousin Eddie and Christmas Vacation, so is everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great show so far. Episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're going to talk about Virginia Tech football here in just a moment. We'll touch on Virginia Tech men's soccer. Some great news. We'll talk about Virginia Tech wrestling, Virginia Tech women's basketball, and then we will get to your questions. Not a ton in the chat, so if you got them, go ahead and drop them in the chat. We'll get to those at the end of the show. Transitioning from the hardwood to the gridiron, we talk about Virginia Tech football, where while it is not official, all reports are indicating that Virginia Tech co-defensive line coach and VT alum Daryl Tapp is leaving the Virginia Tech football program to take a position with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he was hired in 2019. Chris, you see Daryl Tapp on social media. He's the energizer. You can almost feel the energy just watching him on TV. I know he's beloved by the staff and the players. On a scale of 1 to 10... How big of a loss would Daryl Tapp be? Depends on how he's replaced. Um, I have an article written up, you know, a short little news blurb saying he's accepted the job with the 49ers. I haven't run it yet because the 49ers haven't officially made the announcement. But, you know, we'll go ahead and say it. Yes, I'm. he's going to the 49ers, right? Unless something drastically changes, he's out. Um, so... 
you, he's a he's the assistant defensive line coach and he's the recruiter of the seven five seven. So ideally, you find someone who has seven five seven recruiting ties who also can be an assistant defensive line coach, right? And you just plug it right in and you keep going. Does that person exist though? Like I can't think of anyone. Um, with seven five seven recruiting class, right, I, also got, a, I got nothing outside got nothing. outside of Chris Ellis. Right, that Chris, name that name's been floated, and I, I don't. But, even... but the highest level Chris Ellis is coached at is New Hampshire. Right now, granted, that's more coaching experience than Daryl Tapp had when when uh, right. when he, he was he, he was an analyst at Vanderbilt. Right, right. Exactly. So this this is a pretty fast career arc for Daryl. Right, it's right. going from being an analyst at Vanderbilt in twenty eighteen. To being a DL coach for the Niners, 49ers two years later. So credit to Justin Fuente. He identified a good coach and hired him. Right. So now you've got to try to do it again. But I don't know that I don't know that there's just anybody out there like Tap. Like exactly like Tap. You know, another thing you could do, I suppose, is reshuffle your staff to a certain extent. If you if you're really serious about getting a guy on the staff to recruit the seven five seven then maybe you you would have to fire another coach and maybe and you could to reshuffle your staff and give Tierlink the entire defensive line. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a whole lot of things that you, you could think about. Um I don't know what he's gonna do. Um I don't know quite frankly, I don't know that Tech has the money to go out and do much because I know they just built that student athlete performance center and they haven't they do, and they haven't been able to properly staff it right. with like a chef and everything like that. So if you're expecting some sort of flashy hire, you're not going to get it. You know, and, cool. and and I know a lot of people were saying they needed to give him a raise, but it wasn't about the money for Tech. Yeah. But I don't think the money was there to give him a raise anyway because like I said, Right now, they haven't been even been able to hire a chef for their new flashy new student athlete performance center. So yes, that student athlete performance center is there, but it's not really serving any purpose right now because nobody's really working in it. Because they're, you know, we, we've gone over this before. <laughs> Wit has said there will be roughly a twenty million dollar shortfall for this year. It's one thing to hear that number on paper and then actually think what that means in real terms. Right. A lot of people have lost their jobs over there. Kenny Brooks got an extension, but we don't know the details. We don't of know that. the financial details. Yeah. yeah, you know, I would guess they're they're not great. Or Tony not Roby great. also got an extension. Yeah, well, you know, Tony's Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To- Tony can raise the money to get his <laughs> to own pay himself. Yeah, pay himself if he wanted to. <laughs> Go to <Yeah>. southeastrtc.com. <laughs> um, you know, I do want to bring this up. I don't know if you guys saw with the coaching change at Marshall that Cornell Brown. Uh, and JC is, is not retain is does not look like he'll be returning to to Marshall. Right. So. I yeah, know. well, we tried Cornell once before and it didn't work. That's right. He was on he staff. Was on, with, he was on Beamer's last staff. Yeah, he was on the staff from whew, 2012 through 2015. Yes, 2011 I through at, 20. I think it was 2012 through 2015. Um, <clears throat> well, it was whatever year Cavs stopped coaching. Yeah, right. So it would have been 2011. Okay, but uh, yeah, that 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 didn't work out. He was not very good on the recruiting trail. I don't think Cornell was a bad coach or anything like that. He's he's an old school guy. I don't think he's the type that goes head to head with UNC coaches in the modern game of recruiting and makes a difference. I, right. I, because, I mean, he was this recruiting the seven. It was him and Kurt Newsom in the seven five seven before. 
Yeah, and it didn't didn't go too well for Virginia Tech, so I, I don't consider that an option. And and I don't know that that J C Price is a solution for recruiting either. Right. You know, I think uh, J C would do fine as a coach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah J C was at Marshall for nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So let's look at so you mentioned Will when Tracy Clay's announced his retirement, how he was the second highest paid assistant coach on staff. And you said, look out for maybe Virginia Tech to go after an analyst or maybe right. some type of an assistant on the support staff. And now with Daryl Tapp likely leaving, what kind of flexibility does Justin Fuente now have with shaping his staff or his support staff? Well, it, the bottom line is we don't know, you know, because there's been references made and discussions had about the football enhancement fund, an extra, you know, $5 million a year between donors and the university for the, um, for the football program. $5 million a year is a lot of money. Um, that still is not official and not approved by the BOV. If that happens, that'll happen in March. In March, right. Right. So, so and as far as the, the money from the donor end, we thought it was going to start coming in before then, but it just doesn't appear that it has if they don't have like a chef hired for for the student athlete performance. Although, although do you count the, that towards yeah, football? The, the I don't SAPC know. covers all sports, you know? Right, so, right. Um, th- these are questions for which we don't have the answers, yeah. you know. And so now, now if, if no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, maybe a timing thing. Fuente may not do anything for, um, you know. I, I don't know when the next BOV meeting is. How does it overlap with spring practice? You know, I, there's actually no great hurry to go out and, and replace Tap right now. It's not like you can go out and recruit, right? So that's a, that's a good point. Uh, so you know you can you can let things play out for a little bit and and to get a better idea of your options and and stuff like that to get a better idea of what your funding is going to be. You right? Know, is the university going to is the BOV going to to say yes? The university will pitch in the other half. Right. Right. So it's I don't think it's necessarily uh, as big a deal to get a hire a guy hired right away as it is in most years. Just simply because of the nature of recruiting these days. Now, one rumor is that they could promote graduate assistant Zach Sparber to defensive line coach. And I'm sure he's would do fine from a coaching standpoint, but he's never recruited before. He's extremely inexperienced. And if Virginia Tech did that, that would kind of give you an idea of where they are from a monetary standpoint. Mm-hmm. And to your point again, though, they don't necessarily have to promote someone to the, the co-defensive line. I mean, I'm assuming they, they that Bill Tierling they, could coach the entire D-line. He correct? could. He could. They don't necessarily have to do that. Like, like, I, like for example, maybe if you wanted to get a seven, the seven five, a tie into the 7-5-7, you, uh, you could bring in Chris Beatty, and then you could have, like, oh, an inside receivers coach and an outside receivers coach or something like that. Right, but yeah. but but then you, but it almost does have to be another defensive coach because, then you'd only have, I guess you'd three, have de- three defensive coaches. You'd have Hamilton, mm-hmm. Ryan Smith, Smith, Jack Tyler, and Bill Tierling, four defensive coaches. Okay. But it it wouldn't be balanced, so it does does really need to be a, a defensive coach, I think, from that standpoint. But yeah. maybe not. Well, I don't know what he'll do. I I, I have no ideas. Normally, I have ideas. About what's the right, right. thing to do? <laughs> I don't point. have any now. But what's interesting <laughs> is there's there's no rush. That's the thing to take away from this. They could take a couple of months to figure out what the what the next step's going to be. I don't think there's a big rush. Um, 
yes, I ideally, you know, you'd like to have a recruiter on staff as quickly as possible, but I just don't know that that'd make a big difference right now. Yeah, with, with yeah. visits not being allowed until April at the earliest, and you know, we don't even know if there's going to be spring football around right. the country. So we're an hour into episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. And you, you know what song is stuck in my head right now? Tell me something good. Because <laughs> we have spent the last 60 minutes. A lot oh. of dense topics, you know, a lot yeah. of tough things to talk about. You're probably sitting there and listening or watching and saying, gosh, tell me, tell me something good. There is some good to talk about here towards the end of the show. And this deserves a lot of attention. I want to transition from talking about football to men's soccer. You know, Men's soccer and women's soccer are two sports that are super consistent year in and year out. NCAA tournament qualifiers. You talk about tough ACC competition. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. Men's soccer and women's soccer. It doesn't get tougher than the ACC. Um, I mean, last year our women's soccer team didn't qualify for the ACC tournament, but their resume was so good they were able to host a first-round NCAA tournament <laughs> wow. match. I mean, that is how good – the, it's harder to win the ACC tournament. We'd say that about basketball. Sure. Same thing with soccer. It's harder to win the ACC tournament, I think, than the NCAA tournament. So I'd certainly make that argument. But the competition is terrific. And last week, a special day for Virginia Tech men's soccer as Daniel Pereira was selected with the number one overall selection. He's going to Austin FC, the number one pick in the draft. I mean, just a, that's a uh, well, huge deal, Chris. And that's an expansion team. So he is their first pick in the history of the entire like ever. team. Ever. Yeah. So that that's a huge, huge deal. So now there are three Virginia Tech athletes who have been number one picks in their sport before. That was one of my favorite tweets. It showed Michael Vick and Bruce Smith uh -huh. and Daniel, and Daniel Pereira. Pereira. Yeah. And, and, um, it, it's a great story, Pereira. Yeah, uh, it, it is. From Roanoke. Yeah. Uh, how about that? That that's that Roanoke High School was it Northside? Northside with two first round picks. Did the UVA guy end up being a first round pick? I don't know off the top. Okay, of uh, but I think he was. I think he was. I'm not certain, but uh, two very very high picks either way, both for the same like club soccer team in in the, in the city of Roanoke too. And for both those guys to be number one, uh, I don't want to take a turn to negative town here, but this is the best player in school history, and we got him for seven games his sophomore year, and he's gone because of COVID. It was very quick. I mean, he wow. played his freshman year. He the, was same, the, really same, the same thing happened to the baseball team this year. They had they had one of their best batteries in in school history. Who, what was the catcher? Uh, Carson Taylor. Yes. Ian Seymour was just hitting his stride as a player, and so was Carson Taylor. And how many games did they get to play? They got one ACC series in. I'm telling you, Virginia Tech baseball and, is going to have a good, uh, well, much I'm, better I'm, year. I'm just saying, we had some of our best athletes ever this year across various sports, and we didn't really get to see them play. Pereira, Stickler, uh, you, if you, Caleb Farley. Um, the women were about to go to their first NCAA tournament. That, that, that's since right. Since 2006. Seymour's one of the best pitchers basketball. in school history. Yeah. And right now, people can't watch Makai Lewis Russell. Yeah, uh, so I, I sorry to go down that. No, but but yes, uh, number yeah. one picks. Uh, you know that they generally get into the rotation fairly quickly. Even if he has to, I haven't done my research on this, but you know maybe he could go out on loan for a year to another team. But uh, seems to be a pretty exciting midfield prospect, like a box to box type, yeah. pretty creative player. Uh, he's nineteen years old, right? 
I mean, he he's very crafty. Yeah. I mean, he's great with set pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's to me, you know, he's from uh, I believe he's from Venezuela too, well, and then yes, moved to Roanoke. Right, and right. Just to, and I tell you what, seeing the pictures, I want to give a tip of the hat to Hokie Vision and everybody doing a great job of documenting that day. Uh, I believe they were in the President uh, Suite in Lane Stadium. Yeah, they did yeah, a great yeah. job. Like I had a good idea that he was going to get drafted pretty high. I thought there was a chance he could go number one. But it was a I surprise. Did, I, didn't, I didn't think it would actually happen that he would go number one, although I did think he would go pretty high. Uh, Patrick Norco was considered the best player in school history, and he played for three years from Virginia Tech, 2005 to 2007 era. And I think he was, what, the seventh overall pick in the ML, MLS draft? And he ended up playing over 200 games in the NMLS in his career for – the Chicago Fire and DC United, mm. and he actually capped for Ghana once. Wow! So he was an international player once. So, and that that was as the as the seventh pick overall. So, so for Pereira, you're you're by that standard, you're looking mm. at a very long and successful career. So one of the things that's interesting to me about this is you look at some of the greatest athletes of all time at Virginia Tech, guys like Bruce Smith, Michael Vick, Angela Tincher. Mm. Queen Harrison, people like that, um, Makai Lewis. Oh, he's in that conversation. I they think. actually accomplished things in their time here at Virginia Tech. They they were here for a while and did things. And here you have an individual who's number one pick in the draft who barely played, as you, as yeah. you said, for Virginia Tech. I, th- I think I find that interesting. Now, Christo Strickler, also want to mention, he was drafted uh, 30th overall. He's going to Houston. And Strickler is someone who's had a very storied career. I mean, he has been – the guy up front for Virginia Tech, the top yeah, goal scorer goals. Yeah. for the last couple of years. So um, big day for men's soccer. Um, Daniel Pereira, the number one overall pick. Again, he joins Michael Vick, Bruce Smith um, as, as as the only three, the three of them, to go number one in a professional draft. So, so it's a big deal. So tell me something good. That's part one. Part two, Chris Coleman likes to beat UVA, right? Who doesn't? There you go. And wrestling did that on Friday. Uh, Eighth-ranked Virginia Tech knocked off Virginia in wrestling 19-15 to in a duel inside of Castle Coliseum. Will, you watched the duel. What were your thoughts? Uh, as I wrote in my recap, everything just kind of went true to form. Um, you know, uh, one of the websites I like to look at is WrestleStat, and WrestleStat, based on a database of results and rankings, you pick two teams and it will break down every weight class and what is likely to happen. And WrestleStat predicted a 17-15 to 15 win for Virginia Tech, I think probably with a couple of major decisions thrown in there. Uh, but Tech winning five weight classes, UVA winning five weight classes, and, and, and winning a match is worth three points. If it's a major, major decision, it's worth four. A, is it a Tech fall is five and an actual pin? Or a forfeit is six. Yeah. <clears throat> So uh, it went exactly like the computer said it would, except for there was a, a tech fall for Virginia Tech, and there were like there was an extra major decision in there or something. Yeah, like it was that. N- number eight Corbin Myers with a major decision over twelfth ranked and unbeaten Louis Hayes, which yeah. was, I mean, Corbin beaten him unexpected. three times before, and I believe he's major number. Louis Hayes was wrestling really well. I mean, that was a statement win. And then Sam Latona with a tech fall yeah. at one twenty five. What is a tech fall? Tech fall is if you win 
uh, at any point. I believe, gosh, I need to have my notes. I believe it's 15 points at any point if it gets to that. Uh, uh, yeah, so if 15, you're just dominating yep. the match and uh, the ref's just like, okay, it's well, over. He had, a, he had a real flurry there at the end where as it, 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 it's interesting to look at the score because it says tech fall at seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Because he he did something right at the end. I think he got a uh, well, what's it called a near. He fall, got near Evan? fall points right before the horn. Right. So it's it's like a TKO in boxing. Yep. Then you don't yes. actually knock the guy out. Right. But the ref's like, okay, yeah. This is Any point fight. you get yeah. up by fifteen, yeah. it's over. Okay. Yeah. So so I, Corbin Myers may be a guy that the computers and the rankings aren't picking up on yet. Yep. Uh, I don't want to compare apples and oranges, but like when Makai Lewis went into the NCAA championships a couple of years ago, seated eighth. He was underseated. Yep. Um, Corbin Myers, I, th- I think, based on what we've seen so far, I don't think the computers and the rankings have really picked up on on how good he is. I'm not saying he's going to win a national championship. I just think he's better than. I also think someone flying under the radar is Bryce Andonian, 12th in the country, major decision, 8 nothing win over Denton Spencer, a guy who led UVA in pins a year ago. And I tell you what, the, uh, the, the big, and it's a good problem to have right now if you're Tony Roby, but John Borst at least last week, is the highest-ranked wrestler in the ACC. He's ranked 15th. And Virginia Tech has a stud freshman, true freshman named Hunter Katka. And they are both, I mean, both really talented. And Katka got the start over Borst. Right. uh, Because, and part of that, I mean, Borst lost to Quinn Miller, who's ranked 20th for UVA. But, I mean, you've got one of the best wrestlers at heavyweight in the ACC, and you got Katka right on his... Right on his heels. Competition, man. Man, depth. depth. And really great recruits. And so... Uh, and a lot of these wrestlers do redshirt, so it's rare to see true freshmen get in. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> Give it to the camera, Chris. It took us over an hour. <laughs> it took us an hour and nine minutes. So, anyways, that's the news about wrestling. They have a big week coming up. They wrestle Duke yeah, so, on Friday. So they wrestle at Duke on Friday, and that was a regularly scheduled Correct. Uh, matchup. And that's going to be at 5 p.m. on streaming on the ACC Network Extra. And then the the UNC match, which meet, which was postponed, mm-hmm. since Virginia Tech's going to be down in the Raleigh Durham area, they they rescheduled the UNC dual meet for uh, Saturday, and that is going to be at three p.m. And last I saw, the streaming or television for that was TBD. So I, I don't I don't know. Um, so fans that don't know wrestling are like, whoa, you can wrestle two days in a row? It, it's similar to the phenomenon of softball pitchers just pitching day after day. <laughs> and people who follow baseball are like, whoa, you can do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and in wrestling in particular, so one of the discussions that's going on on our, on our wrestling board is, it to, to put it kindly, Duke is really bad at wrestling. Virginia Tech can actually probably wrestle their entire second-string wrestlers and still beat Duke handily. Correct. Um, so – now, that said, you can wrestle multiple times in a day. Bryce Andonian wrestled three times in one day, right? The quad meet in Morgantown. Or Sam Latona did, but one was a forfeit. Um, okay, yeah. A lot of guys were wrestling twice. Yeah, so guys will not only wrestle on consecutive days, they'll wrestle, they'll wrestle multiple times in one so that's day. That's the beauty. With a lot of competition at weight classes, I mean, you're going to see a lot of those guys get opportunities on uh, on Friday. So Yeah, so a lot of guys will get to wrestle against Duke. Yes. Like, like WrestleStat says, now WrestleStat puts the starting lineups against each other, and they've got Tech beating Duke 42 to nothing. Wow. Um, now, just winning all 10 weight classes with regular decisions is 30 to nothing. So if you're piling on another 12 bonus points, you know, it's it's so that's a hideous mismatch. So Tony Roby will do some things with his pieces there. Oh <laughs> um, God! And then, and then you've got UNC the next day, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. That's a big one. Now, WrestleStat says Tech will win a narrow one over UNC. 
There you have it. One day we're going to get Chris Coleman to a duel when things get back to normal. We're going to make Chris a wrestling fan. I can see you. You will like wrestling, Chris. I really do believe that. You'll. You'll. Uh... Oh, I mean, like every now and then, I had a bunch of friends that wrestled in high school, and I was if I was in the weight room after school for football, every now and then I'd go in there if they needed an extra body and wrestle a little bit. Yeah. I didn't know any of the rules, <laughs> so there you go. it was kind of like free for all. It was a mess, but yeah. But yeah. Our last sport we'll talk about before we get to your questions on YouTube. If you're watching, we don't have a ton. Be sure to drop them in. We'll get to them in just a moment. Uh, touch on Virginia Tech women's basketball. They are 7-7 seven and 2-7 seven and two and seven in ACC play. And heartbreaking loss um, on Sunday to second-ranked North Carolina State. They were up double digits, ended up losing 89-87 in yeah, Raleigh so, to it, one of the best teams in the country. NC State's ranked number two, and they were missing they were missing a player who's better Elizabeth than Elizabeth Cunane, their center, who's one of the top players in the country. She's even better than Boots Radford. She was she was leading them in points. She is leading them in points, rebounds, and blocks. And she could not play. I think it was COVID uh not not percent I did not get a chance to watch. Was well, following along on Twitter. NC State, I believe, had taken a couple of weeks off because COVID had gone through their program. So, so it was a prime opportunity. They're number two in the country, but they're rusty and they're missing their best player. And Tech had them down uh, um, eighty-one to seventy with four and a half minutes left to go, and gave, <coughs> gave up a sixteen nothing run, and and wound up losing by by a few points. I thought so. we were talking about positive things. Yeah, oh, well. Um, but it's well, been a rough week. It's been a rough four or five days. Well, it, it's it's been tough for you know they've been right there. You think about two and seven in the ACC. Number two Louisville at home lost seventy one sixty seven. In Atlanta fifty six fifty four loss. Then they beat North Carolina sixty seven sixty four loss to Wake Forest sixty five sixty loss to Notre Dame eighty nine eighty seven loss to number two North Carolina State. So so going into that NC State game, I think they were two and six. Correct. Correct. And yet, their their point totals in ACC play was a deficit of one point. Yeah, that's, so that's how close all these things had been. So many close losses, but it's the same story every year, right? It was like it's like I remember going to the movies to watch The Hangover Two, and I was just like, "Wow, that was the exact that same the movie exact as that was the first Hangover, right?" So one of the exceptions is they they did hang on and beat North Carolina, and one of the reasons they beat North Carolina is Kayla King had a couple three pointers, boom boom, really close to each other. And they just, they have not been getting those sort of plays late in games. Not only have they not been getting those sort of winning plays, they've been making losing plays, turning the ball over and that sort of thing. All right, let's transition and let's get to some questions here on YouTube Live. There we go. Questions are starting to trickle in. Episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've talked about so many different sports. Now to our favorite part. Let's get some questions from anybody. Uh TKK Kelly on the chat says, Anytime Fitness, member in Lovingston, Virginia, good place. So Indeed. Where's it, Lovingston? Where is I that's a good question. I actually have no idea where that is. I am Googling it as we speak. First time question, I believe, for Chris Barry. Chris, thanks for writing. If Tap is gone, does Chris, since his biggest concern has been quarterback development, think hiring a quarterback coach would be good and then Corny could Cornelson could focus on OC? I don't know. I, I don't know if there's another example in the country of there being an offensive coordinator who's only an offensive coordinator who doesn't have a position to coach. Yeah. Uh, we'd have to research that. But if that if something like that happens, it doesn't happen very often. And and then you run into the issue of there not being a a seven five seven specialist on the staff. I I I have no idea if that's even necessary. 
anymore, but public perception says it is. So, you know, it seems like a good idea to at least try it. Well, I know UNC's getting players from there, so why can't Virginia Tech? Right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so I, I don't think they'll go that route. But, yes, there are a lot of – there are different options for Fuente to reshuffle his staff if he thought that was best. Okay. Uh, when we were talking about potential different so – So was the, the questioner was from Lovingston, Virginia? Yes. That's or in, the, the, before they were saying that he yeah, is. That, a, that's, that's in Nelson County, southwest uh, southwest of Charlottesville. Nelson County High School was in our district in high school. That was a long bus trip. Yeah, I uh, I ran cross country my senior year in high school, and uh, oh, I was, was almost to Charlottesville. Yeah, away from Danville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the way up and, and I remember there there was a there was one guy who ran for Nelson County, and he and I were roughly the same speed, and I'd wind up next to this guy um, in, in all these invitational meets. And, well, uh, Nelson County's right on 29, right? And yeah, right on the left. Is. So it was a long trip, but you never changed roads. You never turned the entire time until you yeah, turned 20, into the high school. 29 goes yep. from Charlottesville through Nelson County, mm-hmm. Lynchburg, right? And yep. then down into Danville. Yep. Um, we were talking about different suspensions, how long something could be. I do want to chime in. Matt Hart says, Grayson Allen was trying to end careers and only missed one game. (laughs) (laughs) Just thought that would chuckle out of the crowd. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, Ronnie Adams, any thoughts on the Tennessee dumpster fire? I do think they made two good hires. So for those that didn't see, they hired the Central Florida athletic director, and then he hired Josh Heupel, who was his coach at UCF. They should so probably hire some of Central Florida's players, too, while they're at it. So that's been that's been uh, announced because I missed it. Heupel yeah, is going to be the head coach. I think they announced it this morning. Uh-huh. Let me, let me, I'm pretty sure I woke up to that. Yeah. But let me uh, – yep, uh, UCF's Josh Heupel named Tennessee Volunteers football coach. Hmm. That was quick. I, I think, that was like last week they, they made the announcements. I mean, that was a quick turnaround. seems like a good athletic director hire. I don't know about Heupel. I mean, Heupel took over a really strong program, and he was there for, what, two or three years. So it's... Scott Frost built UCF. Well, Scott Frost was only there for two years, right? But he did – I believe he took over for Georgia Lear when they went 0-12 right? yeah, at one yeah, point. So yeah. he really did kind of yeah. take that program from the bottom. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, a whole lot of coaching hires look good on paper, and then they turn out to not be good. Um, I think Tennessee – from the outside looking in, unless you really pay attention closely, seems like a good job, but I don't think it's a very good job. I think their fan base is crazy. I think anybody that would allow their former head coach to actually hijack the football program and install himself as an athletic director, that's like a Cold War coup d'etat, right? I'll, I'll put it this Balkan way. Country. Just, just because Phil Fulmer is retiring doesn't mean he's going away. Well, you know, yeah. I read something that he's going to be paid the rest of his contract through like 2022 or three. I'm sure he uh, will. I can't confirm that, but that I'm, was something I'm, that was. I'm just talking about political influence and making phone calls and mucking up the works. Yeah, you know? I, I think you're, you're getting a nice raise if you go to Tennessee. First couple months, you're going to have a honeymoon period. And then after that, you're going to feel like you just walked into the lion's den. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in that program that I can't comprehend. I can't. I can't comprehend it. Yeah. I, they just seem like dumpster fire is the right word. But, 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 a, it, but it does look like a really good hire at the AD level. Danny White is the AD, and he was yeah. at Buffalo before that, right? I'm pretty sure he was at Buffalo, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that Buffalo before UCF, and he. He did a really good job. Yeah, at Buffalo. Buffalo was once the worst football program in the country. <laughs> Here's the none. thing: Curry was a really good hire as an AD too. Yeah, I know. Yes, and they and they hijacked him. 
Well, own fan base and his own boss, Fulmer, hijacked it. Tennessee chewed him up and spit him spit out. Spit him out, right. Yeah. So, Real quick, I just want to mention, so it was January 18th when Jeremy Pruitt was fired for cause, and they had a press conference that day with the chancellor, the school president, uh, uh, um, gosh, what's the, the football coach we were just talking about, Phil Fulmer, uh, and it's January 27th, and within that time, they have hired a new athletic director who uh, conducted a search and has hired a football coach in, what, nine days? That's, which, a, I mean, that's amazing. That, well, I think I guess it's a, a lot easier to hire an athletic director and a football coach within that short a period of time if they're both from the same school, right? Um, you just go down there and say, hey, we want both of you, right? Yeah. And I'm guessing the conversations have been had before that press conference. Yeah, this, this stuff is in the works. Yeah. yeah. Okay, transitioning. Another question from Ronnie Adams. What do you all think of the NCAA tournament locks skipping the ACC tournament? It's not going to shock me a bit. So if you want to talk about Virginia Tech possibly making the NCAA tournament, if if Louisville, UVA, FSU, Duke's – well, Duke's not going to skip it because it doesn't look like Duke's going to be fast-tracked in the NCAA tournament. If if some of the upper teams – uh, drop out and Evan. If this becomes a three-round tournament, as opposed to four or five rounds, or however many, or even a two-round tournament, maybe right. Yeah, you know, you, you get and and that's the thing about back when conferences used to be eight teams. If you got hot, you could win three games in three days and, and go to the NCAA tournament. These days, you got to win four. And in the Big East one year, wasn't it? You had to win five. They were Something so big, like yeah, you know. It was massive. So it's uh, it's interesting to think about. So what do we think about it? Hmm. It, everybody's going to say it's because of COVID, but wow, that's interesting. I have I'm I'm, I'm going to quit talking because I haven't really pondered it, it yet. I think if you have if you're a lock for the NCAA tournament, if you're Florida State or you're UVA. And you you know you have, you have nothing to gain, really. Why risk going to the ACC tournament, contracting COVID there, and then not being able to play in the NCAA tournament? Right. Because you're like they're not going to wait two weeks for you to reopen your program to play the NCAA tournament. No, you're forfeiting if you can't play. Well, and so wouldn't it be better to just sit back in your little bubble be, and, and not go to the ACC tournament? What yeah. I'm curious yeah. about is is the and I need to look at the dates here because I thought I read somewhere that for the NCAA tournament you're going to have to test negative. I think it's six times before you arrive in the state of Indiana where they are kind of doing a bubble in the state of Indiana for the NCAA six tournament. Six times in what amount of time? That, that's what I don't know. So I'm curious if, <laughs> in like previous years with ACC tournaments, the weekend leading up to the NCAA tournament. Oh, well, right, how, right, right. ACC tournament normally ends on a Sunday, and then that Thursday the the NCAA tournament starts. And the playing game start as early as that's, Tuesday and Wednesday, right? right? And then right. so typically, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. So I, I'm yeah. curious to see how that all works out because if you've got to test negative that many times, I wonder if you have to test six days in a row. Yeah. Um, speaking of the NCAA tournament, Kyle writes. What is the financial loss to the NCAA and the other locals that depend on the NCAA tournament for money? Now that it's being played only in Indy and presumably under limited attendance, how does that work for the rest of the NCAA? I don't know that, like, like we went to the NCAA tournament in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, generally, you know, there's such big cities that it's just it's kind not of a blip on the radar for, yeah. from as far as localities and right. and things like that. It's, 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 a, 
it, it's beneficial and it helps and everything like that, but it's it's not going to break the bank. It's not like a football game weekend in Blacksburg, right? right. Well, it'll actually wreck the town if there's places in Blacksburg that are not reopening. Boudreaux's is not reopening, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess Bull and Bones will reopen. We'll see. But, like, this has the potential to wreck Blacksburg completely if there's no crowds this year in football. Um, it's already wrecked it to a certain extent, but it could basically kill it if there's no right. football this year. It's not like that for a big city for NCAA tournament games, I don't think. Um, there, I don't know how it will affect the schools. Like, I imagine the, the teams just they're not getting their full revenue checks from, from – TV contracts this year simply because there's so many games getting canceled and a network is not going to pay for a game that doesn't happen, right? So I imagine the checks are going to be smaller, even if it, even if the NSA, if the NSA tournament gets played, if the conference tournaments get played. Well, let's say there's only eight teams and is a tournament in Charlotte or Greensboro. I believe it's Greensboro. So if there's only eight, yeah, teams, they moved it to Greensboro. If, if there's only eight teams in Greensboro instead of fifteen, that's a lot fewer games, and it's just not going to be worth as much money because there's not as many games. And if NCAA tournament games gets canceled, do you think CBS is going to pay for a game that doesn't happen? Yeah, absolutely not. So I, I think I think the checks for teams are going to be smaller this year than normal. Final question from Eric Fisher. I know defensive line coaches don't often become DCs. Will we see Tap move up the coaching ranks past DL? Defensive I line. I don't know. It's so hard to say because the guy's only been a coach for one year. Yeah. And it was a it was an eleven game season. I, I didn't attend a single game in Lane Stadium. I've never watched him coach in person, even in a regular drill and a practice. Yeah. So I, I have no idea. I I, I can't. So let's jump back to the previous topic. The NCAA in 2019 made $933 million off the tournament in that three weeks. That's revenue to the NCAA that some of it goes to operating costs and the rest of it gets distributed to the uh, to the member schools. So, What if a third of the games gets, gets canceled? Does that mean $300 million less revenue? I mean, if there's no TV game, if those games aren't on TV, if they're not actually played. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what right. they decided there. Yeah. Hmm. Great questions uh, today. One more. Ryan says, do you see Hooker sticking with the Vols since Pruitt was fired? I would assume that, well, I know Jordan Williams already moved into his apartment in Blacksburg, Hooker's yeah. apartment in Blacksburg. So if he comes went back to Tech, then he'd have to uh, find have a different find place, a to, place live. to live. <laughs> but but uh, I would assume classes have already started there. So... And that he was enrolled or in the process of enrolling. Well, some and, sometimes in chaos there is opportunity. You know, I mean, it may be better for Hendon Hooker that that you have a new athletic director and a new football coach. Everybody's starting with a clean slate. Chaos is a ladder, wasn't that a game? Chaos of Thrones? is a ladder. Game yeah. of Thrones. There you go. Hour and twenty six minutes of great content on episode one hundred sixty four of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thanks to everybody for writing in some questions. Will, I'm impressed that you kept the. Uh, let me make sure I get the wording right here. The Klondike Beanie. Klondike Beanie on for the entire second half of the podcast. Well done. Yeah, I got to turn it over to Chris now. So, so if he has to walk to the gym in the morning, he can stay warm. So Virginia Tech men's basketball in action tonight on Wednesday against Notre Dame, on Saturday against Virginia. And that means we'll have a lot of hoops to break down uh, as we go back to our our regularly scheduled programming on Monday mornings, the podcast at 10 a.m. on Monday. And uh, who knows what other news 
Maybe not that I know anything, but I'm just yeah. saying, who, who knows what we'll be talking about you know, on Monday, I was just right? about to say it can't get much worse, but <laughs> you never truly know. <laughs> all the news during the offseason is bad news. Yeah. Chris, any idea? you know what? I'm going to ask a different question today, folks, instead of what's coming up on TSL this week. What are you writing in your Friday Q&A this week, Chris? I don't know. I haven't uh, asked for questions on the board yet, Evan. I always do that on Thursday. Really- <laughs> I would like to take credit for something here. His excellent article yesterday about the 2017 recruiting class was my idea. It was his suggestion. Right. There yeah. you go. It's a great so, read So today, I know what I'll work on today, and I won't have time to finish all the research today, but I'll work on my uh, past running backs of the PFF era. I'll nice. do a lot of the research today. Um, I want to write a basketball column, but I schedule my basketball columns for Thursdays, and I want to see what we look like without Tyrese Radford before I jump to any emotional conclusions and mm-hmm. things like that. So there'll be a basketball column tomorrow. Here's what's on TechSideline.com right now. eighty four ninety nine the annual price, twenty nine ninety nine the student price, eight forty nine the monthly price. Great stuff. So a look back. That's on the homepage right now. Virginia Tech's twenty seventeen recruiting class. Uh, a scouting report from Brandon Patterson on Connor Blumrick. If anyone's interested in the Texas A and M transfer, the quarterback, there's a great article there, um, as well as some wrestling content. Go back and read the Q and A from last week about Comcast, Daryl Tap, recruiting, New Jersey, the state, and more. One of the things I want to point out about Tap before we close out. Yep. Final uh, word. I don't think we we address this, but Tap's wife is a realtor. She's in real estate and. Real estate in Northern Virginia. She she did not move to Blacksburg with her husband because she has her she has career goals of her own. All right, this isn't just about Daryl Tap. Um, it's easier to sell how you make more money selling houses in Northern Virginia than you do in Blacksburg. And moving to San Francisco, where the average house is price is one point three million dollars a year. Yes, it's more expensive to live, but if you're selling those houses, you're going to make up for that real fast. So. People are like, oh, the cost of living is higher. He's not going to bring in as much money. Yeah, he probably will. He probably will end up a richer man working out there because of what his wife does. So, I, I would imagine and, the Niners have friends in real estate and they will hook uh, yeah, up with yeah, a job. Yeah, otherwise they'd never be able to hire any coaches out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just want, I want to point that out. That, 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 like, I'm not blaming Tap's wife or anything. I'm, I'm just saying this is... You know how difficult it is to live a year without your spouse because they're doing their job somewhere else and you're doing yeah. your job somewhere else. And it yeah. might even have been that way when he was at Vandy for a year. I don't know. But this is an opportunity for them to actually live, live, live together like a real live man and wife again and, yeah. in a place where both their goals can be accomplished at the same time. It was a no-brainer decision for him. From yeah, that it's the, for the fans wanting Virginia Tech to just throw more money at tap that was not going to and keep that'll him. keep him here. Yeah. It's not that it's not that yeah. simple. On Monday, thanks to Clark Rowland for chiming in. We'll be talking about the football schedule that gets released tomorrow on that Thursday. Didn't realize. Oh, that. that's right. So, that's what I'll be writing about tomorrow. There you go, Clark. You're helping us plan things out. Thanks, buddy. All right, that'll wrap things up. A 90 minutes of great content today. Will any final thoughts before we sign off? No, just uh, can we get some good news, please? A win over Notre Dame tonight would be really nice, and for wrestling to beat. Both Duke and both UNC would be nice. Yeah, get back in the win column against UNC. So. Yes. 
All right, that'll do it for us. Hope you can join us Monday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. for another episode of the Tech Sideline Podcast. That'll do it for us, for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 164 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center, Anytime Fitness, and Campus Emporium. Have a great week, Hokies.